so weird. <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> You're full of shit. I remember I said that one time because we watched this movie a lot as kids, and I said, "You're full of shit," right to dad, <gasps> and and he that was one of the this, that was an example for me. He, he <laughs> don't would, repeat what you hear in movies. I'll never forget the no, <laughs> no, we don't say that. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where life isn't just death. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, we are talking about the heartbreaking <laughs> 1991 classic, My Girl. My Girl. Here it is, guys. Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis back with us at it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Christmas with the cranks. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Nora, God. Nora, stop the car, Nora. <laughs> it's profoundly upsetting today, guys. Yeah, no. Last week was kind of dreary, but um, this is also... I'm going to cry at least three times. Yeah, no, we're going to probably both be sobbing, but it's like... Oh, my Thanks goodness. for being here with us, guys. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks who want everyone to come and join this little watch party. And guys, it is birthday month. And you know what? If you're not liking the fewer selections on main feed this month, <laughs> you need to become a little onion contributor at the $5 level on our Patreon. Yeah, guys, we're doing basically Ross's History Corner on the Patreon right now. Guys, we are doing the American Revolution through the eyes of Tom Hooper's and HBO's John Adams. Guys, I posted a preview of the John Adams coverage on the main feed. You get it for free. Go see what you're missing out on, guys. When you become a little onion contributor at the five, you get access to all of our long-form content, all of our television coverage, maybe some stuff outside the timeline. You got bonus episodes, outtakes, just shooting the shit with Gary and Ross, you know? Like... <laughs> It's a really great package for just $5 a month. You're guaranteed two posts a month. And guys, remember, if you want access to our full catalog of episodes, go on over to our Podbean page. It's Kicking and Streaming with Carrie and Ross, and you can get access to all over 150 of our main episodes. So, oh my God. I know. We're doing a lot, guys. And we're doing the most for you guys, but we're doing the most for us, too, because we love doing this together. Yeah, we do. And guys, she's 30, flirty, and thriving now. Yeah, no, but... <laughs> Miss Carrie Ann, if you want to get her a great birthday, they present you rate you review you retweet you share us with your friends you leave us a review send us your honest feedback we want to hear from you guys i really can't come up with a clever segue for today and that's okay <laughs> that's okay we're just kind of let the content speak for itself we need to have one conversation uh-huh before we start this what's that Klumsky? schlumsky <laughs> how do you pronounce her last I name i don't know i think it's chomsky there he was, just a walking down the street, singing. Do a Dad? I'm embalming my high school teacher. Don't sing. That's my best friend, Veda Saltenfuss. Veda and Thomas. Most of the girls don't appreciate her. I always surround myself with people who I find intellectually stimulating. A lot of the guys are a little afraid of her. Okay, lean forward. But she's more fun to be around than anyone I know. This summer, though, things are changing for everyone. Have you ever kissed anyone? No. 
Your father just found someone. I'm going out with Shelly. I'm very nervous. Since the last time you dated, something happened. The sexual revolution. Good at kissing and dancing. I'm very optimistic. And your grandmother just lost her marbles. It's quarter to three. No wonder Vade is acting so funny. What we're going to do is send our vibes out into the group. Feel my aura. I don't think I'm allowed to. I'm going to marry Mr. Bixler. We can't marry a teacher, because then he'll give you all A's and it won't be fair. Dad likes her better than me. Big girl! I'm running away. I'm going to Hollywood to live with the Brady Bunch. I want to live with them, too. No, you can't. They have enough kids. You'll have to live with the Partridge family. They say sometimes, when you get older, friends stop being friends. But not Veda and me. She'll always be my girl. From the producer of Parenthood, Columbia Pictures presents Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, Macaulay Culkin, and introducing Anna Klumski. Veda, what do you think of me? For what? Well, if you don't get to marry Mr. Bixler. I guess. My girl. So, guys, obviously, the title of today's project is a direct reference to the 1964 song of the same name by The Temptations. The Temptations. My girl. My girl. My girl. Talking about my girl. My girl. I love it. Oh, it's so good. I'm not really sure how they settled on this title, um, because the original title of this movie was supposed to be Born Jaundiced. <laughs> Because what? That's like the first line of the movie? Yeah, Veda was born jaundice. And like, that's obviously a kind of, um, what, what shall we say, a disquieting title? I guess. Like, it really doesn't sound like a feel-good movie at all in any way. This made over $104 million. So. Yeah, I love this movie. I do too. And you guess what? Guess what? Guess who's here with us today? Is it James Newton Howard? I, you're right. I was actually going to talk about <laughs> JNH before the director. Um, <laughs> yeah, James Newton Howard does the music today, folks. And if you know anything about this show or me, he's my favorite film composer. Yeah, every time I type out James Newton Howard, it's never just James Newton Howard. It's always James Newton Howard, baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> His full name. <laughs> We've got Howard Zeef directing today. Hi, Howie. Yeah, it is pronounced. Oh, there's even a pronunciation note. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> Zeef. Uh, and I mean, he directed this and My Girl 2 as well, which, guys, if we want to talk about great sequels, I love My Girl 2 more than this. That's incredible. I can't wait to cover it at some point because <laughs> I almost prefer it to this. This is so sad. Yeah. And yes, My Girl 2 is also sad in parts, but it's a lot more fun. I don't know. It's a lot more fun because we get to hear a lot more about, like, Veda's life, it's, like her history. It's actually a movie that's kind of part of me. Really? Yeah, it helped form a little bit of me, I think, My Girl 2. So, oh, I see My Girl 1 formed you, and oh, My Girl 2 formed me. I love it. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, Brian Grazer is a producer today. Hi, Brian. You've been with us before. I'm sure he has. I, I just can't remember. Most notably with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh. He does Imagine Entertainment, remember? At the yeah. beginning with the, with, the, with the drop. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Folks, you might have guessed it, but we have names. Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> this is his what? 
Second appearance? Third appearance? I think it is the second appearance. Because he was with us when we covered Christmas with the Cranks a couple Christmases ago. He's also in Ghostbusters, the Blues Brothers, Coneheads. He's an original cast member on Saturday Night Live, guys. You know Dan Aykroyd. And don't forget, the purveyor of Crystal Head Vodka. Thank you for mentioning it again. (laughs) That's the most wild thing. Dan Aykroyd, are you really out here making vodka? Like, Whether you wish to explore and discuss the mystical implications of your life on this amazing plane of existence or not, as you enjoy a fine premium beverage, the truth is that this is a luxury vodka in a cool bottle and at my personal request, manufactured to bring you a truly non-enhanced pure spirit. He is playing Harry Sultanfuss today. What a fucking name. Yeah, Sultanfuss. It is not a name you hear all the time. And while we're talking about him, let's please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming the Baroness Hayden guest herself, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh my God, as Shelly DeVoto. Oh my God. I'm going to have to talk about it more when we get there. But of course, guys, (laughs) she was with us when we did Christmas with the Cranks a couple of Christmases ago with Dan Aykroyd. And she was in Freaky Friday. That's right. She she was with us when we covered Freaky Friday. Friday, guys. <laughs> She's Laurie Strode in the Halloween saga. One of the original Scream Queens. The- a fish called Wanda. True Lies. Like you said, she's married to Christopher Guest. Who, yeah, he did This Is Spinal Tap and Best in Show. He's the six-fingered man from Princess Bride. Also a member of the House of Lords <laughs> in Great Britain. What the it's hell? just absolutely wild. The fifth Haran Hayden, the Haran? The fifth Baron Hayden Guest, so. Another piece of trivia of Jamie Lee Curtis from this movie that I like is that in order to protect the innocence of the children, she instituted a swear jar on set to prevent swearing and like we're not talking quarters we're talking five dollar bills ten dollar bills and by the time the whole production was over the kids had a jar of like over five thousand dollars they gave it to the kids oh my god that's amazing to me i want her to be everyone's parent i know you know what i mean please welcome back to kicking and streaming mr macaulay culkin today he's playing thomas j senate yeah guys he is obviously famous from the home alone franchise which we have covered both of the first the first two installments so for christmas time so go back and give those a listen he's also in uncle buck yeah and he's famous for being in the good son with elijah wood good son that movie's so messed up i talk about it every time he comes up on this podcast we will do it like it's just a rough film it's uh, kind of terrifying from what I remember. Uh-huh. Playing our heroine Veda Sultanfuss today, we have Anna Klumsky, mm-hmm. I think is what we decided on there. Oh, I looked at the pronunciation note. Okay. <laughs> it starts with a K, so it must be Klumsky. Mostly she's been in independent films, like through her like formative years. That's why we barely saw her after this. Blood Car in the Loop. Like you said, she's on Veep. <sighs> I love her in Veep. I know! (laughs) She's so good. Because, like, I'd never seen her in anything else but My Girl. Uh Uh-huh. And then she was an adult in Veep, cursing every other sentence. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. I love this. I'm loving this energy. The only other thing I've seen her in is that episode of SVU we talked about on the Top 5 Queer Actors episode, where Barba is, like, in open court defending her. That's right. That's right. You love that episode. love that episode. That, that, That episode of Veep. Where, because she is Amy Brokheimer, chief of staff to the vice president, who, uh, sorry, spoilers, eventually becomes the first female president. Um, Carrie, no, it's a shit show. Oh, it is. Yeah, that episode, that scene where Amy is taking Selena to task, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and she's like, "You have two settings: no decision, 
a bad decision. I wouldn't let you run a bath without having the Coast Guard and the fire department standing by, but yet here you are running America. You are the worst thing that has happened to this country since food in buckets. You have achieved nothing uh -huh. apart from one thing. The fact that you are a woman means we will have no more women presidents because we tried one and she fucking sucked. Oh, God! Uh, yeah, no, it's an, I'll show you when we're done. Like, it's great <laughs> acting. It's great acting from Anna Klumsky. I love her. She's so undervalued. She's also in that... The, we've been on the Peacock recently, yes. haven't we, streaming? Yes. Yeah. And she is in that new horror movie called They Slash Them. What is that about? It's about a conversion camp that's run by Kevin Bacon. At, no! And all of these murders start happening. I was like, this is not healthy for the queer community. Like, oh, we had to make a horror movie out of gender identity. Like, come on. Playing Phil Saltonfuss, Harry's brother, we have Richard Major. Uh, he's, he's not been with us before, has he? No, he is not. The only other thing we would have done with him in it is probably the miniseries version of It from the 90s. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's Stan. He's he, Stan Uris. Yes, he is. Uh, he's also in Encino Man, Six Degrees of Separation. He was on Transparent, I think. And a president of the Screen Actors Guild for a time. Yeah, I love Richard Major. <laughs> We also have Griffin Dunn as Mr. Bixler. And we know him from two movies, right? I think I, I know him from an American Werewolf in London. You do? Yeah, he's in American Werewolf in London. And then he was in the most recent Oceans film, Oceans 8, the one with all the ladies. What, what are you thinking of? You're forgetting another very critical movie. If you're talking about who's that girl, I don't think that's him. That is him. That is him? That is him. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. I love that stupid movie. It's such a bad movie. It is a bad movie. But you're right. I love it. I just watching Madonna look fine for two hours is enough. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. This Ready to slum with the stiffs? The sooner we get through it, the better we'll feel. It's, guys, that ending just smacks you between the eyes. Yeah, no, it's profoundly upsetting. And, he, you. Yeah, most of you know what I'm talking about already, but let's just get through this together, okay? We begin in Madison, Pennsylvania, 1972. Yeah. And it's funny because this takes place in Pennsylvania, but most of it was shot in Florida. What? Yeah, most of it was shot in Florida. What? Okay. The house that they used for Veda's house, the funeral parlor, was actually a bed and breakfast in Bartow, Florida. It makes me really sad to think that that house is sitting in Florida, if it still exists. No, yeah, it, the, the bed and breakfast closed in 2013, but the house is still there, as far as I know. Such a nice house. It is a nice house. I mean, it's a fucking funeral parlor. But like... <laughs> it's nice for a funeral parlor. Yeah. And uh, we open with narration from our heroine, Veda. I was born jaundiced. Once I sat on a toilet seat at a truck stop and caught hemorrhoids. And I've learned to live with this chicken bone that's been lodged in my throat for the past three years. So I knew Dad would be devastated when he learned of my latest affliction. Veda is a weird kid. She's 11 years old. Very smart, very articulate, reads a lot. Like, she reads War and Peace for fun. That's, yeah, no, she's an odd one. Like, she's like your your peak level of bookworm. And she wants to be a writer real bad when she grows up. Uh -huh. And she doesn't have many friends who are girls because she gets along better with boys. Like, as I'm naming all of her qualities, it's exactly who I was when I was 11. Well, what's the one thing she's truly obsessed with, Carrie? Oh, she's obsessed with death. And dying. Yeah, like, she's a little 
still sullen. She wears a mood ring. It's always black. Like, because she's always thinking about death and stuff. Why wouldn't she be? She lives in a funeral parlor. Yeah, no, her dad's a mortician. Like, yeah, he runs that. He runs that funeral parlor with his buddy Arthur. Saltenfuss Parlor. Yeah, the Saltenfuss Parlor. That just is. I'm. That just doesn't sound very inviting. <laughs> The opening narration from Veda, she's in the kitchen with her dad while dad's making a sandwich. And she just looks at him. Dad, I don't want to upset you, but my left breast is developing at a significantly faster rate than my right. It can only mean one thing. Cancer. I'm dying. Okay. Sweetie, hand me the mayonnaise out of the fridge. When he claps his hands together and he's like, okay, honey, would you hand me the mayo out of the fridge? That sets the tone for their whole relationship the entire movie. Like, Veda's just always kind of saying strange, morbid things, and Harry's, it's like Harry's not processing them. And you know what? He's literally just, I am not a Harry stan. Really? I, he'll get he'll get me back in the end, but like barely. Yeah, here at the beginning, he's really frustrating for you. Absolutely. She doesn't have a mom. Her, yeah. Her mom died giving birth to her. So fucked up. Yeah, it, it, it will be a recurring theme. Veda is selling sites of the funeral home. Oh, the, she runs this racket where she makes the neighborhood boys give her a dime to see a dead body. Yeah, showing them, like, the room the caskets are in, like... And, like, she always makes this big show of going to, like, lift up the casket lid. Like, there's gonna be a dead body in there. And, of course, it's always empty because it's the showroom. <laughs> it's empty. You're so weird. I want my money back. I was afraid of this. Of what? Well, sometimes when we get them, they're not completely dead. You know, like when they cut a chicken's head off and they still run around crazy? You're full of shit. Then she's roaming around this house somewhere. She is kind of a little crazy person. Like, <laughs> the game, the mind game she's playing with them. Because the other person who lives in the funeral parlor with them is her grandmother. Grandmu. Grandmu. This is Harry's mother. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure what the nature of Grandmu's uh, condition is. She's mostly catatonic. Yeah, her mental and physical uh, abilities are very limited. She mostly just sits and stares. Yeah, she needs constant care. So, like, she, Veda takes those boys to, like, the entrance to the family room where grandma is like sitting in a chair and like she's so still and then she just starts to rock back and forth and the little boys start running like their hair's on fire Also, I love that the kids can't stop looking at the camera. I know. Those little boys won't stop looking directly in the camera. One of those little boys is from the Sandlot. No, yeah, 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 yeah. He's Tommy Timmons. The one who's always repeating what his older brother says. The Colossus of Clout. The The Colossus Colossus of Clout. Yeah, that that kid, yeah. (laughs) I love him. On this day, this first day in the movie, is when one Shelly DeVoto shows up for the first time to the Sultanfuss parlor in her camper. Yeah, exactly. She is, oh, guys, mm, 90s Jamie Lee Curtis, call me. Yeah, no, she can absolutely have me. Uh, Shelly is so hot and so cool. <laughs> she is so cool. She's a young 70s woman. Yeah, I know. Like, like oh, my God, the, the fit, ma'am, the denim dress, the calf-high boots, the scarf. 
who gave her the right? I don't know. To look that good. She looks like a witch. I love it. Oh like, my God. She's here looking for a job as a makeup artist. She saw an ad in the paper and she's here to apply. The only thing that's kind of embarrassing is that she didn't know this was a funeral parlor. Yeah, Harry has to take a break from embalming his whole high school woodshop teacher, Mr. <laughs> Layton, um, to come upstairs and greet Shelly. Now he's got someone's attention because someone's hot and young and cute. Yeah, Harry is very taken with Shelly. <laughs> the, how can I help you? <laughs> I'm a licensed cosmetologist. I worked for two years at the Dino Raphael Salon. Uh, Mr. Voto. I have a wonderful disposition. I put people right at ease. Uh, Mr. Voto, these people are already at ease. This is not a beauty parlor. It's a funeral parlor. They're dead? Yes, they are. Stiffs? Deceased. <laughs> that whole exchange is beer gold. <laughs> They're dead? <laughs> Shelly! She can't. The ad just said makeup artist. <laughs> Shelly's cool. She needs the money. She's living in a camper for crying out loud. So she's like, yeah, I'll take it. It's weird, but I'll take it. They deserve it. They're dead. <laughs> yes. All they have left is their looks. Shelly is my favorite character. <laughs> I love her. Oh my God. Also, Veda is just constantly trying to get Harry's attention yeah. and he is constantly brushing her off. Yeah. It's actually very infuriating. It's like she's Spamela Risk. You know Spamela? Yeah. She calls me all the time. <laughs> I, I, my phone's ringing. It says spam risk from all different points in the country. So and he's saying... treating her like a spam risk. Yeah. Like, not right now, Veda, you know. And they are interrupted by some men delivering a child-sized coffin. And and like you just said, Veda's always full of questions about that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, and now is as good a time as any to explain the fact that not only is Veda obsessed with death, but she doesn't understand it at all because Harry keeps her at arm's length about it. Yeah. He won't answer her questions. Daddy, how come that coffin's so small? They come in all sizes, honey, just like shoes. Is it for a child? Of course not. Then who's it for? Short people. Very short people. No wonder she's always talking about being born jaundiced and convinced that she's dying from a chicken bone that's lodged in her throat. These are always people have died that have been brought into that parlor. Yeah, that's what's messed up about it. She, she thinks she has prostate cancer because Mr. Layton's dead downstairs after prostate cancer. Yeah, and it's just, oh my God. And uh, like, literally when she invited Shelly in, sat her down and went, have you ever had the unfortunate experience of losing a loved one? Like... <laughs> Like being the front desk person? Like, she is a Macaulay of a Culkin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a little adult. Which is why they're both perfect for these roles. I know. And like, I would die for her. Veda, for all her weirdness, <laughs> has a best friend. Yes, she does. And I, he's my favorite. Named Thomas J., who she's kind of mean to because he's a soft boy with glasses who's allergic to everything and loves his mother. Exactly, yeah. I'm not saying she should be mean to him. I'm saying he's easy to be mean to. On today's bike ride, he's accompanying her to the doctor to address one of her many dying ailments. Yeah, this is when she's visiting the doctor to tell him that she thinks she has prostate cancer. I love when they're riding up to the office and they're there's the Nixon Agnew yeah. 72 sign oh, on the side of the doctor's god. office. I'm like, my god. She does this a lot. Go to the doctor. Dr. L Welty. Yeah, Dr. Welty. You could call her a hypochondriac, but I don't think it's exactly <laughs> like that. Hi, Veda. What's wrong today? I'm very sick. 
Okay, take a seat. I'll check if the doctor can see you. She's trying to convince people she's dying. Because she actually thinks she is. I mean, we're all dying. But, like, she's not old and cynical enough to have come to that conclusion yet. She's only dying for one thing, and you know what it is. Attention. I know, because she's ignored. The way the doc- Welty, every time she goes, is like, you're perfectly healthy. Yeah, and he knows. He knows this is because people get brought to her house with weird maladies, and she doesn't understand it. And she's like, you don't understand. I have prostate cancer. And he's like, no, you don't. (laughs) You definitely do not. You do not have a prostate. And the way she's, like, leaving, and she puts her hat on. I love her little hat. She puts her hat on and goes- I'll just have to get a second opinion. And slams the door? The sass behind that child's <laughs> eyes. I absolutely love it. It's like she just wants to be dying so that her father will give her attention. Because <gasps> the only attention he's giving is to dead people. Oh, Ross, that's it! Yeah, oh, I'm. did you not? You solved it! You, <laughs> you solved the puzzle! That... I mean, yeah, why else would she be acting like this? I just always thought it was because she really doesn't understand death. He's always shooing her away to get her away from the death. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's why she acts like she's dying so that her father will give her attention and he still doesn't. I can't believe. He just thinks she's playing around and being weird. I cannot believe I've never put that together. Well, here you are. Happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for making me love this movie more. I, I do love her relationship with Thomas, though. Yeah. Just the kid things and the rhymes and the singing songs together. Riding bikes. Riding your bikes around and hanging out by the lake under the willow tree. Like, like you know that willow tree's fake. No. It, yeah, no, it's not a real willow tree. <laughs> it ain't so, Joe. No, they couldn't find a tree next to a big body of water like that that looked enough like a willow tree. I applaud this production team because that tree looks hella real. They just, no, it's a real tree. They just put like willow branches on it. What? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you couldn't find a willow? Like... I, no, I just, I keep them at, I, I'm picturing a production assistant with fake willow branches and zip ties just affixing them to every branch on this tree. On the way home from the doctor, Veda and Thomas J. passed the new home of their English teacher, Mr. Bixler, who is a young, hot teacher. Yeah. The kind of teacher you develop crushes on when you're a kid. I had a crush on a teacher like that a couple of times. I'm sure you did. Yeah. My kindergarten, I was in love with my kindergarten teacher. Uh-huh. I truly was. Miss Robinson? Mm. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. It was Robertson, not oh. Robinson. But <laughs> Sorry. still, she wasn't married yet. And Mr. Bixler is telling Veda and Thomas J. about a writing class he's teaching over the summer. And Veda has a million questions because she has the biggest crush on Mr. Bixler and cannot pass up any opportunity to be breathing his air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much does it cost? $35. What do you get for that? Me, two hours a week, talking about poetry. Is this an interrogation, Veda? No. Well, I guess I'll go home and finish off War and Peace. It's summer. Your kids, go play. You get to listen to me talk about poetry, you know, once a week for the entire summer. And they just like, sign me up. Sign me up, dude. Oh, my God. The way she runs home like she's Charlie Bucket with the golden ticket to go up to her room, lock the door, and start playing her records. <gasps> Bill! <laughs> 
I love you so, I always will. She's framed her class picture and drawn a heart in marker around his head. She is also staring at him in the picture. She is. She's the only kid not looking at the camera, staring straight at him. I love it. It's so relatable. We're sitting down to dinner, and it opens with Harry going, Rupert, Gwen, call. There's a big accident out on PA-34. They're bringing in two more tomorrow. And I'm like, like it's a warehouse or something. Yeah, it's shop talk. We also have Phil here. This is where we meet Phil, Phil Saltonfuss. Does he live there? I think he lives there because that was his family home, and I he's also Harry's older brother, but Harry kind of supports him. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I think he helps with the business. This is an agreement between brothers. And well, I know Phil's not doing the books, so he must be in charge of watching Grandmoo most of the time. I mean, he's there we're all sitting there, Grandmoo's there too. And like Shelly comes in to tell Harry that she's done putting makeup on Mr. Layton. And Veda is laying on the floor <laughs> pretending to be dying. And Shelly just goes, Harry, what's wrong with her? Goes right to that child. <laughs> Harry, what's wrong with her? Oh, she's just pretending. Veda, get up here and eat your broccoli. We're supposed to be, uh, I, mean, I what, think what, it's what, my prostate. Great. Uh, up, up top, you said something like a sky lounge no. or something. How many removals did you I say were special? I got rhythm. I'm gonna have to do a V-section. I got music. I guess so. If you want. Now this isn't gonna be repeated. Smelter accident a few years ago. What? And when the grandma just breaks into song. Yeah. I've got rhythm. I've got passion. I got my man who could ask for any more. And like Harry and Phil just go on talking like she's not singing. Did you did you listen to what they're actually talking about? I couldn't. I did. The literal line at the end is Phil going, it's not like that incident we had last time. Like I had a body in my bedroom, you had a body in your bedroom. <gasps> the house was just littered with people's bodies. Oh my- and she's singing so loud. And the way Shelly just slow turns to look at all of them like they're fucking nuts. That's my favorite shot in the movie <laughs> is Shelly looking at like it's the theater of the horrible. With Thomas J and Veda are sitting out on the front stoop of the house. And these like these, oh, these stupid little girls, they walk by making faces and start, you know, chanting at her saying Thomas J's her little boyfriend. I hated that shit. And oh, there's also Judy. Little Judy, she's not a bitch. Yeah. She's not like the other two. It's just peer pressure, you know? Yeah. And like actually like trying to say hi to Veda while the other two are mocking her. <laughs> Veda, her little boyfriend. He is not my boyfriend. I bet you kissed him on the lips. Do you think I kissed that ugly old thing? Yeah, anyway. Macaulay Culkin's so funny. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and then it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did you just say? There was an insult back there. <laughs> yeah. It's a very it's very Abbott and Costello. <laughs> I do love it. I love their energy. Veda asks her father if she can have the $35 to pay for Mr. Bixler's summer riding class. But like many fathers, he kind of blows her off because he thinks this is just another stage she's going through. He's trying to watch All in the Family. Channel 2 watching, the one we don't watch because you think that Walter Cronkite is a communist. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is that Richard Major actually got his start on All in the Family. That's funny. Yeah, I I fucking love that. And like, Harry thinks that this writing thing is just going to be like her ventriloquist phase, her magician phase, you know, the graveyard of hobbies from your childhood. He tunes her out completely. Yeah, he's not hearing her at all. Death. I love this guy. <laughs> Dad? What? The money? Oh, maybe next summer. 
He forgot about the time I wanted to be a magician. I was really great at making myself disappear. That's that's heavy, Veda. I, yeah. I I feel for this poor little girl. He does not notice her. I'm not saying he doesn't care about her, but like it's like that's just a whole nother plane for him. There's this really upsetting sequence where Veda is like tossing the basketball around in the house, dribbling it, and it goes down into the basement where she's not supposed to go. Because it's the prep area. Yeah. That's where they take the bodies. And she runs down there to get it, and yeah, there is a new body waiting to be prepped under a sheet down there. But like while she's down there, Shelly like shuts the door and like hard. Yeah. And so she can't get it open when she goes back up and she starts getting, she starts panicking. Like, what's going to happen if I'm locked down here with this body like oh she's freaking out with her fingers in her ears that is a fear of any child that's been into a funeral parlor yeah like you're gonna catch it yeah exactly it's fine shelly pulls her out of there gets her out of there but like her reaction to that veda's reaction to that is just so nonsensical to shelly like i feel like shelly thinks if she lives in a funeral home she shouldn't be this messed up about death she's literally plugging her ears and singing to herself to block out whatever she's feeling in that moment yeah and like shelly's like this doesn't seem like this should be her so the next day shelly while she's working on a client i don't know what you would call it mrs porter she's the reverend porter's wife (laughs) and shelly has made her look like a lady of the evening (laughs) yeah and harry's not happy about it didn't i give you a picture of what she looked like And it's like a church picture, you know? Yeah. And her hair has been all done the wrong way. And She's got red lipstick and on. And the blue eyeshadow. Yeah, it's a little much. This it's was... a little It's a little young. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly's like, hey, I'd really like to talk about what I've been witnessing in the house. I was just wondering if there is anything wrong with Veda. What do you mean? Well, the other night at dinner. Oh, that. She just likes to play. I, I don't think so. I think she's confused about death. She was raised in a funeral home. She knows a thing or two about it. But Harry, I really think she... She's a perfectly happy 11-year-old girl. He basically just tells her to fuck off and not to give advice to him about parenting. Yeah, don't tell me how to raise my kid, which I get that, but Harry, she's got a point. There's something you're not seeing here. Shelly rolls up in her camper the next day. Poor Phil. He's getting his work out. The kids are putting him on the jump rope. (laughs) That man does not need to be doing double dutch. His long legs, like his ankles are up by his ears. Yeah, every time he jumps. (laughs) Shelly rolls up and the kids are like, Thomas J and Vader are like, can we look around inside your camper? Like, come on, it's cool. Oh, it's so awesome. She lives in this thing. Ross, sometimes I wish this were my life. I know, right? You can just go anywhere. Just go anywhere, have this tiny little space all to yourself. Like, I'd love that. She's got all these romance novels lined up on the windowsill. Uh That's the first thing Veda grabs when she gets in there. That's also very me. When I enter someone's home for the first time, I'm going straight to your bookshelf. Exactly. I want to know what you're reading. And, like, they're just sitting, they're chatting, and Thomas J goes to get a cookie out of the cookie jar. But it's not cookies. It's Shelly's secret hiding place for her savings. It's a rainy day fund. Yeah. And, like, Veda sets eyes on that unattended money yeah and she's having bad ideas and like she tells Shelly you guys go on I'm gonna use the bathroom before we go back in the house 
And as soon as Shelly's gone, as soon as Shelly's closed the door, Veda gets into that cookie jar and takes the $35 she needs. A withdrawal from the Devoto bank, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for banking with Devoto. It's an investment. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, like, oh, Veda. So with the stolen money, Veda pays for the summer riding class with Mr. Bixler. The adult summer riding class. Yep, that's the thing. She didn't know, and Mr. Bixler didn't mention, that it is for adults. And she's 11. Veda, is there something I can do for you? I paid the money. For this class? Uh-huh. I want to be a writer. Veda, this is a, this is an adult writing class. Hey, I think it's real beautiful. She wants to be a writer. That one hippie who's like, yeah, sure, let the little freedom fighter write, man. Yeah, no, I that is Justin, the male hippie. That's Tom Villard. Oh, really? Tom Villard, you know him from an episode of The Golden Girls, uh-huh. where the where the ladies get stranded on the island. Right. With the younger guys. He's yeah. one of the younger <gasps> He's guys. One of the young- Guys. Uh-huh. Oh my god. He's, Our... he's also in a lot of other TV projects, but like he passed away three years after this from Aww. complications of AIDS related pneumonia. Oh, that's horrible. He was a gay man. Oh, bless his soul. Yeah. Rest in power. One of the you know, one of the first, you know, I mean, B I mean B list celebrities he might have been went on television said, I'm gay and I need help in nineteen ninety four. Like How brave. I know. And like, listen, it's fine that she's in this class. I'm glad that all the adults want her to be in the class and aren't going to make it weird. But they do kind of make it weird by reading their poetry about their sexual encounters out loud. And like, Vegas like looks like she's sick to her stomach. Like she doesn't understand. Yeah, she has no idea what that's about. And like, for for you know. Veda gets up and reads her little bit, and it's a cute little poem about ice cream, and it rhymes, and for this man to look this 10-year-old in the face and go, you're not telling me what's in your soul. She's 11! Yeah, or whatever, yeah. And, like, I love that we do get what's in her soul, like, right after that. I want you to show me how you see the world, your fears, your desires, your innermost secrets. My fears and secrets... I'm afraid I killed my mother. Yikes! Big old fucking yikes. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, like, I mean, Veda's mother didn't die giving birth to her, but she died from complications associated yeah, with it. Two days later. Yeah, she only lived for. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I know. Oh my god. And see, it's unlocked. It's, uh, I, that's why I love the sequel. Because it's all about unlocking everything she doesn't know about her mother, and she finds out so much more than she ever thought she would be able to. So she's not just associated with death anymore. Because her parents were not together for very long. Yeah. They got married, they had a baby, and then she passed away. And she had a whole other life outside of that. Yeah. The longer Shelly works with Harry, she becomes more interested in him romantically. Like, she's so gorgeous, right? I know. And constantly dropping hints around him about things she likes to do, like going to the movies at the drive-in. And, like, he doesn't lean into any of her ideas for fun, but he suggests that they go play bingo at church together. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, what are you, 85 years old? But here's the thing. Shelly is just excited to be going on a date with him. Yeah, no. She's like Twitter-pated that she's going to go play bingo at a church function with this man who is also her boss. 
I'm going out with Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> the night that Harry is supposed to go play bingo with Shelly is a big one because Harry hasn't been on a date, in his words, in 20 years. I love hate Phil. <laughs> Older brother Phil, who's tormenting him about his date. Hey, what are we doing in here? You know, like, if he's getting ready. <laughs> I'm dressing. Oh, you're dressing. <laughs> Very nervous. Why? The last date I had was 20 years ago. That's true. Harry, Harry, sit down. Let me fill you in on today's woman. Since the last time you dated, something happened. The sexual revolution. Phil says, let me fill you in on today's woman. Oh, here we go. The sexual revolution has happened since you last went on a date, dude. This women's lib thing, he calls it, is in. You know how many times I've seen this bit done in 90s movies where people try to explain what women want now? Yeah. And they often do it incorrectly on purpose. Yeah, they tell you that women want to be treated like shit. Yeah, what, yeah essentially, as in equal whatever. Okay, there you can do the equality thing by being respectful like without all of the shit you know yeah and i don't know guys why don't you just take a running leap and maybe ask the woman how she would like to be treated as soon as harry and shelly are gone veda goes out into the night and runs over to thomas jay's house to recruit him for recon yeah she bullies him into going down to the church with her to check out bingo night he says no and she calls him a pacifist first which is a very <laughs> eloquent insult i love her like because we're in the era of vietnam still right yeah what do you want my mom will skin me alive if she finds out i'm out here let's go to the church they're playing bingo tonight i told you i'd get in trouble Pacifist. I'm not. Bedwetter. I stop that. The bingo gambling at church? Yeah. I what? No, listen, look at me with both eyes. Looking. If I tell if I can teach you one thing, it's do not get between old people and their bingo. Uh, they, it, it's it's a religious activity. It's why they're doing it in a church. Like Harry and it's so funny because Harry and Shelly are dressed like they're going out to a nice dinner. But they're sitting here playing church bingo. And oh, like that's how they got so many old people. They're in Florida. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Lots of unoccupied old people in yeah. Florida. Y'all want to be in a movie? Yeah. Yeah. And like Veda and Thomas J are just right outside the tent watching them play bingo. I don't know what Veda thinks she's gonna see at church bingo. But, like, the thing is, is that even though this is, like, the least romantic situation I could think of... Shelly is still finding a way to put the moves on. Yeah, because, like, Harry's doing some inane thing where he's trying to explain the odds of winning. A guy with ten bingo cards has no greater odds than a guy with just one bingo card. Yeah. And I love Shelly. Kind of like men. Under the end. How, how do you mean? Three. You can be in a room with a hundred men. And not like any of them. Or you can be in a room with just one man. He's exactly the one you want. And they lean in to kiss? Yeah. And Veda will not allow it. Oh, yeah, she panics and just shouts, Bingo! He has a winner. Will the winner please raise their hand? There was no bingo. It came from outside. How can someone outside get a bingo? Someone outside didn't get a bingo. 
Someone outside yell bingo, you moron. She starts a whole war. Oh, no, I love that this almost causes a small scrap between the old dudes. Yeah. Like, they're they're fussy that someone called out bingo, and it... No they, one's claiming it. Yeah. <laughs> someone yell bingo from outside. How could out someone outside get a bingo? And, like, <laughs> that one guy who's like, you're lucky you're 100 years old, or I'd beat your ass. Yeah. So they've ruined that. Yeah, they sure did. When Harry brings Shelly home and she takes him in to see the camper, and Harry's explaining how he's done um, nothing in ages. Yeah, he's ex- he's apologizing for the general quality of the date. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, listen, I know that wasn't hair on fire exciting. <laughs> but of course, this triggers a conversation about Veda's mother. Which I'm sorry. I thought that this was... I, th- I love all their scenes together. The, yeah! Like, I, I, this scene in particular, like... Like, this, these are two people. These are not actors. I mean, they're kind... I mean, and you think about the characters, they're relatively strangers. I mean, yeah, yeah they've shared in a date tonight, but, like, they haven't had a lot of time to get to know each other personally. And we're already having this very deep conversation because Shelley feels comfortable enough with him, too. Yeah. She died two days after Beta was born. Did she ever see Veda? I brought the baby into the room a couple of times. She opened her eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I think she saw Veda. You're right. It's just, it's like, it's like they've known each other forever. Yeah. And like, I just, I love that for him. You can almost see him, you know, perk up inside. Like, you see? Wick, see the green. Yeah. Like he's alive in there. I only have eyes. Oh for yeah. You comes on the radio they and start dancing to that flamingo song. And like he and like Shelly's like dance with me and he's like Oh, I haven't danced. And she's like, in ages, yes. (laughs) Get up here. And like, here's the thing. I don't understand it from her side. I don't know what she sees in him. Well, you know, you know more than maybe Little Onions at Home do right now about the quality of romance that Shelly has previously experienced. I guess, yeah. Like, anybody after Danny would be an A-plus for her. All right. But anyway, kissing and dancing, very optimistic. Oh, yeah. He eventually shows himself out without being naughty. (laughs) Shabob, shabob. (laughs) <laughs> but shum up, shum up. They, they resolve to go on another date sometime they had fun when they're in the supermarket together and Shelly finds them this is where we begin to see that Veda's actually very tired of Shelly <laughs> because Harry is paying attention to Shelly and has never paid attention to her and like they're doing grocery shopping for their July 4th barbecue yeah and they run into Shelly in the store and Veda's mood completely turns over she's a shitty little bear she's walking their cart behind Harry and Shelly and they're making eyes at each other and Veda on purpose smashes that shopping cart into his shins to completely ruin the mood just picking some things up for the barbecue yeah me too mind if I tag along not at all a lot of potatoes. Mm. It's for Shelly's famous potato salad. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, out! Damn it! Beta, watch what you're doing. Sorry. She also grabs this humongous can of prunes and says, Dad, didn't you say you needed these really, really? bad? Yeah, yeah. Like trying to embarrass him? Veda. Now we're at the July 4th barbecue. We have Harry, Veda, Phil, Gramu, and Shelly in the backyard singing the national anthem. Yeah, what the hell? 
when Harry's at the grill doing the burgers and Phil comes up to him and he goes like, listen, if you had just listened to me, look at what you've done. You've cremated them. And That's what I do. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh my God. And this pair of dudes in a really sweet, classic blue Mustang pull up and they get out of the car. They're very 70s with their frizzy hair and their wide collars and bell bottoms. This is Danny, Shelly's ex, and his stupid brother, Ralph. They are here to, quote, repossess the camper because allegedly he got it in the divorce, yeah. not Shelly. Mutual asset. Which... Come on. Yeah, go, yeah. It's so shitty. She's that's her home. Yeah. That's she, where she lives. And Shelly's like, I swear to God, Harry, he got the Mustang. Like Yeah, she's so embarrassed that they're there. When she introduces them to everyone, and Veda, with glee, asks, Are you here to take Shelly back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is Danny and, and Ralph. They own the Dino Raphael salon in Detroit. We used to be married. Are you here to take Shelly back? It's nice to meet you. Uh, we got burgers and hot dogs here if you'd care to join us. Can't stay. I'm just here because my wife... No, is... ex. 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 My ex-wife seems to have ripped off my camper. Like, this dude was an asshole. Yeah. She did not have a good life being married to him. Like, I think that's why she's so enamored with Harry, because Harry is just a decent man, and that's just so not what she's used to. The way Harry begins to try to play the mortician with Danny. Yeah! Talking about the camper! Danny? Why? Okay. Now you've suffered a terrible loss, and there's really nothing anyone can do to comfort you. But I urge you to focus on the times you had with the camper, the trips you took, the sights you saw, those days are gone now, but they'll live on in your heart forever. Is this guy boinking you? Oh, that's a real bonehead thing to say. And you guessed it. Danny can't prove that the camper belongs to him. But he's going to insist on hassling them about it. This guy boinking you? Oh, that's a really bonehead thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, though. I also want to know. Are they boinking? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think it's just kisses. <laughs> just kisses and dances in the camp. Yeah, yeah. And like, guys, uh, Harry goes into action hero mode. This is actually kind of badass. He he tells him categorically, you're not taking the trailer. And knocks the wind out of him. Come on. Daddy. Stop it. Daddy. Oh. What'd you do that for? Who are you? I'm his brother. Oh, then you'll probably be visiting us here quite often. Why? Because if he ever tries to take Shelly's camper again, I'm going to bury him in my front yard. Your father's a savage. And Phil, your father's a savage. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. And, like, I think, I think that at least momentarily, this is where Veda kind of drops the rock with regards to Shelly. I do love Phil and Veda talking on the swing while the fireworks are going off. Yeah, Uncle Phil's got some insight. After your mother died, he was sad all the time. But before that, he was pretty funny. Really? Now when I see him with Shelly, sometimes he seems like the old Harry. My dad was funny. This is so sad. It is. Like, my dad was funny? Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't Groucho Marx, but he made me laugh. Yeah. And, like, I just, I feel like that's a complicated emotion for her. Because, of course, she wants her dad to be happy, 
but she can't believe that she was not enough for him to be happy again. Yeah. It took this woman. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love the little thing she tells us about how much she loves her uncle. And like, she's like, he fought in the Korean War and that- He's got a plate in his head. And then they picked up a radio station in his teeth from Oklahoma. We're back to Welty. And there is no chicken bone stuck in your throat, Veda. Yeah, she's insisting that she's going to choke to death on this chicken bone that's stuck down there. And like, all I have written is, is there no obligation- for that doctor to get her some psychological help. It is 1972. You know there's not. But she's in his office every week. Yeah, well. Complaining about problems she doesn't have. Well, he, 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 I mean, he's, she's just some kid to him. Like, he has no responsibility for her. Like. And Thomas J is waiting on her in the waiting room talking to the nurse. Mm-hmm. I love Thomas J because Thomas J seems to understand this just fine. Does Veda ever tell you why she comes down here so much? Because she's dying. Do you think she is? No. Why do you think she says that? Because she gets scared of all those dead people in her house. And you know that saying, can't beat them, join them? Well, if she's one of them, she won't be as scared. You know what I think? I think Veda's very lucky to have a friend like you. She's my best friend. Thomas J. Angel, baby, you're not, you're too good for this world. Veda is lucky to have him. I just, I can't get over it. Again, it's Dickon vibes. That very special first friend you ever have in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, there is never going to be anybody else who is exactly like that little first friend of yours ever again. That nurse gives them syringes to use as water guns. And that's so awesome. They run into the woods and they happen across a beehive. And, you know, they're dumb kids. So they bust it down. And, like, Thomas J is allergic to bees. Yeah. He knows he should not be messing around. But you see, Veda lost her mood ring. Yeah, she's like, they're going through the leaves on the ground trying to look for it. And all of a sudden, these bees buzz out of this downed hive. They're alive! Run for your life! Run, they jump into the pond together. And I'm like, what is that? Is that how you're supposed to get away from bees? I don't know. Or is that just everybody's last resort? I mean, they can't get you in the water. Yeah, I guess. Oh, my God. They'll die before they get you in the water. When Veda comes home sopping wet (laughs) and Harry's like, be ready to leave in 10 minutes. We're going to the carnival. And she like gets pep in her step and starts running up the stairs. And he's like, Shelly's coming with us. And she's like, fuck me. Oh, my God. So they're off to the carnival, and they're playing carnival games, and she's she's trying to throw a ping pong ball and a fish bowl to win a goldfish, right? Yeah. I can't tell which ball is mine. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd is such a dad in this scene. He's like, oh, I got an idea. Why don't we go on the sit-on-the-bench-and-rest-ride? Yeah, like, Vita gets herself a little goldfish, and Shelly's, like, palming at the bag, looking at it, and then... Veda, ever the ever-observant child that she is, notices the nice new diamond ring on her finger. On her very well-manicured hands. Like, can we talk about her nails for two seconds? No. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> the way she's like, where'd you get that ring? Did you win it? Tell me you won it. You know, like... <laughs> yeah! And, like, the way Shelly's like, oh, yeah, um... We just have something to tell you all of a sudden, now that you've noticed that. Yeah, um, 
And Vader drops the fish and uses that as an opportunity to freak out and completely ignore the situation at hand. Not dealing with it. Not dealing with the feelings. Do I diddy diddy dum diddy do? Like, yeah. We're having the wedding sometime near the end of the summer. You'll be okay, little fish. Vader? Would you like us to get you another goldfish? No. He's fine. And Veda decides that the mature course of action is to be aggressive with Shelly when they're on the bumper car ride. She is literally that meme. I think I will cause problems on purpose. And like, oh my God. First of all, guys, love bumper cars. And Bad Moon Rising. (laughs) And Bad Moon Rising, yes. And (laughs) they get on the car. Like, Shelly's all kid, right? Yeah. Like, she's all ready to have fun. She's like, I'm going to get you. And then the ride starts, and... Veda is on her like shit on Velcro. Bumping her the whole time. Being really nasty about it, too. And like. She doesn't want to hear it. She feels like her father is helping and making better everyone but her, even the dead. And yeah. Like. You know, she's taking it out on Shelly. Yeah. And you can see it. Shelly at one point looks over her shoulder and is like, Does that child want me dead? That child wants me dead. Yeah. Oh my god. The next day when Veda goes to get Thomas J, and she's kind of enamored with the moment that his mom is like fixing him up, like yeah. doing his hair and like wiping his milk mustache off of his lip. She's got mommy envy. Yeah, and she basically tells Thomas J when they get outside, I'm running away, come with me. <laughs> and I just love the the notion that Thomas J knows she's not actually going to run away today, but I'll be there for her, so I'll entertain her, you know? Yeah, like it's nice. They go down into the woods, down to that bike path, and like she literally just picks a spot, drops her bike, Climbs into a tree and they sit there for the better part of the day. She's so dramatic, and you want to know why? She needs attention. And, like, the thing is that Veda has no real plan. And so Thomas J eventually just has to go home when it gets dark, but she stays in that tree on the bike path, hoping her problems will just go away. So, she, and so Veda just finally goes home. And the thing is, no one noticed. No one is looking for her. She comes in that door and no one runs to the door to greet her prostrate with grief. She even slams the door twice. Like maybe they didn't hear me come in. And like goes to the goes to the TV room where Harry is conked out in the recliner with Grandma sitting there with him. Yeah, no one even noticed she was missing. And I love her narration as she's stomping up those stairs. In social studies, we learned some people stole the Lindbergh baby right out of his house. I think I'll sleep with my window open tonight. Guys, Veda gets her period for the first time. And it's a five-alarm emergency. She's 11 and a half. 11 and a half is about the right age. Is it really? Okay. I mean, I got mine when I was like 9 or 10. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's powerfully early, but I think 11's about the right age. And, of course, it's a five-alarm emergency because she thinks she's dying. No one has explained this to her. (laughs) An actual symptom of her dying, not one she's creating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Daddy! What's the matter? Where's Daddy? Well, he just left. What's wrong? I'm hemorrhaging. What do you mean you're hemorrhaging? I don't want, and I don't need your help, but Daddy, you gotta move on. Did this happen in the bathroom? How old are you? I'm 11 and a half. It's okay. 
Come on upstairs. We have to have a little talk. I think it's big ballsy that Shelly decided to have the sex talk with someone else's kid with, my, without asking him. Cut to, my mommy and daddy did that? <laughs> it's actually quite a beautiful, beautiful thing. thing. And I'm like, I think, it should, I think it should be outlawed. At the same time, the more I think about it, the more grateful I am that she was there. Because Harry would have just messed this up. When Thomas J. comes to the door and asks her to come out and hang out, yeah. she's like, I don't know. And he's like, please, maybe we could go swimming. She literally is like, no, get out of here, and pushes him onto his back. No, get out of here. And don't come back for five to seven days. The shocked look on his face, like, what the fuck was that about? It's so great. I mean, do you remember a time in your young life when all of your little girlfriends were suddenly very unapproachable? By the time that we got into, like, the 6th and 7th grade, everyone was going noticeably crazy. Yeah? <laughs> and no one knew what the hell was happening to them. Uh-huh. And, like, I mean, they did. It's about 5th grade when they sit you down and show you that video and tell you what they do. Ugh. I've talked about this before on this. The way when I found out what it actually was yeah i was like no <laughs> that's not what happens what you're lying to me my head exploded so one of the ways that veda helps out around the funeral parlor is during the funerals when everybody else is occupied it's veda's job to watch grandma not a hard job she just sits in the room with grandma and makes sure grandma doesn't get up and go anywhere She's so alone all the time yeah and so she has to go to the bathroom to change her pad. And Lord knows that Harry and Shelly aren't paying attention because they're making goo-goo eyes at each other. Uh-huh. So no one notices Grandma get up from her chair and walk into the funeral parlor where a funeral is in progress. Here's the thing. We don't know a lot about Grandma, but... <laughs> We know that she used to be some kind of singer. And she gets up there, picks a rose off the coffin like it's a microphone, and starts singing one for my baby and another for the road. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, of course, this causes a disturbance. Who knows who they've just lost? To the end of a brief episode. So sorry. <laughs> All right, Ma. So it's make okay. it one for my baby and one more for the road. Very, very sorry. Now, what were you thinking? Huh? Huh? It's your responsibility to watch her. Do you have any idea how upset those people are in there? But Harry blames the whole thing on Veda. I'm sorry. It is. It, it cannot be expected to be her responsibility to corral this woman. This is a child. She's 11. Like, come on. And I hate that this is like the most attention Harry's paid to her since the movie started. Do you have any idea how upset those people are in there? Do you have any idea how upset your own daughter is, Harry? Yeah, for real! None. None. You talk about the kiss. I'm gonna sit back and drink. The kissing scene by the tree? Oh, my heart. I know. Like, this is this is a moment that's on a lot of the posters where, you know, it's that lovely pond, that tree they like to climb together, and they're talking about marriage and how weird and foreign it sounds to them. Yeah. Why do you think people want to get married? When you get older, you just have to. I'm going to marry Mr. Bixler. I can't marry a teacher. It's against the law. It is not. Yes, it is, because then he'll give you all A's and it won't be fair. And then Veda wants to try kissing each other. 
maybe we should kiss just to break the tension. No, 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 no. It's like that. It's like it's a curiosity thing. She's like, well, if my dad likes this woman enough to ignore me, I might as well find out what's so great about, you know, kissing and loving on people. Thomas J's like, I don't know how to. <laughs> they like spend a couple of seconds kissing their hands to practice. And guys, apparently this took like 15 takes to get this right. Wow. Where they would not giggle or miss each other's That's faces. That's cute as hell. It is cute I, as I hell. I love that. When they finally kiss and the wide-eyed expression on Thomas J's face, it's so quiet. It's so adorable. Say something is too quiet. Um... Huh? Just hurry. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And Thomas J stands up and starts delivering the Pledge of Allegiance. It's the only thing he can think of in the moment. <laughs> she literally left him speechless. It's so sweet. Guys, he's in love with her. I love after doing that very, uh, very mushy thing, they then do a spit, you know, a spit shake. Yeah. To promise not to tell anybody about the kiss. And guys, this, this breaks my heart. They're riding their bikes home. They're pushing the bikes home, whatever. And they're about to go their separate ways. And Thomas J calls after her. Veda? What? What'd you think of me? For what? What if we don't get to marry Mr. Bixler? I guess. Aww. The smile on his face when she says, I guess. I, Ross? Pure Elysium. Uh, I... I think... I think this is about the time. I think this is about the time for me to cry. No, don't do it. No. Okay, so I guess the next logical course of action for Thomas J is to go into the woods where she dropped her mood ring so he'll have something to propose to her with, <laughs> you know, someday. He's rooting around in the leaves for the ring, and he finds it. He picks it up, but as he's preoccupied with that, some of the bees come out of the hive and see him, the hive that they knocked on the ground, and they just start swarming him. Glasses falling on the ground. Oh my god. On the forest floor. That makes me start freaking out yeah, every that, time. That triggers my fight or flight. I hate it. And guys, we cut to a police officer coming to speak with Harry. And even Harry seems shaken. This is a man who deals with death every day. And he's actually shaken by this. And he comes up to Veda's room to tell her what happened. And she's feeding the fish, and he sits her down on the bed, and in the best way he knows how, manages to squeeze the words out that Thomas J. stepped on the beehive, and no, he's not okay. Maybe I should go over and yell at him. No, sweetheart. You can't. Why not? was allergic to bees. He's okay, isn't he? 
There were just too many of them. The look of absolute despair on Veda's face, her elevator falling inside of her. I can see it all on her face. Mm -hmm. Like the way she is feeling physically, like her emotions are affecting her so much that she physically feels like she's dying. She runs immediately to the doctor's office because she's scared she's dying. And, like, she's hyperventilating by the time she gets there. And he's like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, it's the bee stings. They hurt. Oh, Veda, honey, no. It's just the empathy. Yeah. It's the empathy, baby. And let's talk about the guilt. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the guilt. Because he went back to look for her mood ring. Yeah. And I... Ross... I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, I know. If I had been that little and lost my best friend, I really don't know. Like I can't I can't even begin to imagine. And the worst part is is that Thomas J is brought to her house to be dressed for the funeral. Yeah. Okay. She's isolating. She's not talking to anyone. She's not eating. She's not coming out of her room. Oh, that really nice girl Judy. She stops by yeah. and asks Shelly to tell her how sorry she is about losing Thomas J. Yeah, Judy's a good bean. We love Judy. And, and this oh, funeral, my God. I know. Remember that coffin that was brought in? Yeah. Near the beginning? It's going to get- The child size one? It's going to get some use. Oh, my God. And His poor parents. Yeah, no, I feel really bad every for his parents. Every time I see his parents- Your heart just breaks all over yeah, again? Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like when your kid dies, like, the rest of your life is just awful. Yeah, no. I, I literally could not even begin to imagine. Again- Another great scene between Harry and Shelley. Oh, yeah, this is... Probably my favorite scene. This is where Shelley gets in Harry's face. This is the scene. I love this scene because, like, she's like, listen, she is messed up about this and you need to help her. You need to give her the attention she craves. And he's like, I got people dying around me all the time who need taken care of. It's a lot. And when those suppers are disrupted because there's a car crash or there's a fire or a little boy steps on a beehive. I'm not asking you to stop feeling for those people. But life isn't just death, Harry. Don't ignore the living. Especially your daughter. I swear to God, if you make a Dumbledore joke right now... I won't. <laughs> I did earlier, off mic. You did, and I was just like, God damn it. This is just fucking brutal. I God, and guys, as the service starts... The door to Veda's room just opens up and she peeks out and starts slowly going down the stairs. When she's sitting on the staircase, listening to this minister, start at Reverend Moss or whatever his name is, start giving the service for He's Thomas J. And the way that she is just staring at him in this box from on the staircase and she's listening to how... The minister is saying that we don't have answers for why God has decided to take little Thomas J away from us right now. And how that just make brings her even closer because she knows it's bullshit. She goes up to the casket, like in front of everybody. Yeah. Like the minister's reading that passage from the book of Mark that's like, Jesus said, let the children come to me. Mm -hmm. And she goes up to the casket in front of everybody this is so horrible. Literally, like, puts a foot up on the casket so she can look in and see him yeah. and start speaking to him like he can hear her. You want to go drink, Levy Thomas J? His face hurts. 
And where is his glasses? He can't see without his glasses. Put his glasses on. Put on his glasses. He was going to be an acrobat. He's gone, sweetheart. He's gone. Sweetheart. I know. It's fucking brutal. Put his glasses on. Where are his glasses? He can't see without his glasses. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. It's so brutal. Oh, my God. Like, death. The death of a kid is bad enough when you're an adult, but when you're a kid, how do you even begin to put that together? It's the sight of Macaulay Culkin's tiny body in that coffin that just makes me, I can't even deal with it. Like, I can't, I, I would always fast forward through that part of the movie. It was a topic of much contention amongst the producers because they really thought the movie was gonna, like, do really poorly. If the little kid from Home Alone died. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to carry that. Yeah. I mean, hey, I hate that I know about it, and now all of you know about it, too. Okay. And we can all be sad together. Okay. Okay. I know. I'm going to calm down. (laughs) Harry and Shelly try to get her away, but then she just runs out of the house. She runs straight to Mr. Bixler's house to confess her love for him, because in class, he's been teaching them they should say what they feel. Yeah, and he might die before she gets a chance to say it to him. Yeah, and uh, she tells him that she loves him, and he's like, hey, we can't love each other in that way. Oh, no, he handles it very well. Yeah. I love you. I love you like my dad loves Shelly. I want to live here. I think your dad would miss you. No, he wouldn't. I can't go. But it was the wrong time to then introduce her to his fiance. I'm like, oh no, not Susanna. And this rocks Veda's tiny world. She feels like she has no one now. Yeah. And she goes to that tree, the willow tree that they like, their climbing tree. And uh, she's up in the tree and she's looking down at the ground. And I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Is she contemplating? No, that's the thing. With the voiceover when she's dangling off the tree, I'm like, what's going to happen? And then the next shot is of a police officer coming up the front steps. And you're like, ah, ah, ah. And then the police officer is just like, Shelly, we haven't found her yet. And then she just walks in behind him. Veda does. At least someone was looking for her this time. Yeah. And like, and you know what? Shelly, I love Shelly so much because her dad's out looking for her. Yeah, And yeah, so yeah. it's just Shelly at the house. And she takes Veda upstairs, gets her all cleaned up, starts brushing her hair for her. She's not even angry. I know, she, yeah. She's not even angry that she disappeared. And I love Veda. She's like, I should have told Thomas J he was my best friend. Friend. And when Shelly goes, I'm sure he knew. And I'm like, he did. We heard it earlier. Yeah. We heard him telling the nurse at Welty's earlier. Yeah. Also, why the fuck does she have a poster for the musical Hair? Because it was popular. Not for 11-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a weird time to mention this. Harry's but... really not paying attention. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> And, like, this is also, like, I think Veda is realizing you got to say things to people today. Yeah. Because they might not be here tomorrow. And, like, Harry comes home and (laughs) Shelly's waiting on the stairs and she's like, she's here. She's here. And Harry goes up into her room to check on her. And right before he leaves, she comes right out with the question. Did I kill my mother? What? 
The beast killed Thomas Jane and I killed my mother. No, no. Oh, sweetie, that wasn't your fault. Things like that aren't anybody's fault. It just happened. Like, I feel like in his head, he kind of thinks to himself, I feel like I shouldn't have to explain that. Be- yeah, yeah. Because it's my understanding and my way of looking at the world, but she's a kid. Guess what, parents? You are not your children. Yeah. And your children are not you. They need you to explain these things to them. And like, you know, I, I wrote, this is what I wrote. I was like, is this really the first time we're talking about her mother in depth? Yeah, with maybe. Together, it b- might between be. father and daughter. Like, like you said, he avoids the subject. Beta, I'm, I'm sorry. trying to keep it from you. I just couldn't. You're a good girl. I want you to be happy. Don't be an old grump like me. He's like, listen, if I can, if you take anything away from this experience, don't become an old grump like me. Yeah. And she's like, it's not so bad to be you. Yeah, daddy, it's not so bad to be like you. That's so nice. Okay, one more scene, and then I promise I'll stop crying. I, I know I've been crying pretty no, continuously. you're going to cry again during the explanation of this scene, but it, Harry and Vader are out in public, and they're at a diner or something, and Harry's sitting in a window seat, and Mrs. Sennett walks by. Thomas J's mom. And, like, knocks on the window, and he comes out to say hi to her. And he's like, you know, how are you? And she's like, you know, there are days where I think the world's just going to end, and there are other days... You know, there are good days. When she says, you know, I know I sound crazy, but it just sometimes, some days feels to me like he's just away at camp. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. And like, he calls Veda outside to say hi. This This scene is like weirdly powerful. Yeah. Like in a way that I think is extremely undervalued narratively. Because Miss Sennett has the mood ring that Veda dropped in the woods because Thomas J had it in his pocket with him and she gives it back to her. Well, the thing is, uh, don't let me fuck you up too bad, but the thing is, she had he had it on him. Like on his he, finger. He, remember cuz he put it on his finger and then he got Stung. attacked. Yeah. Oh. And she gives it back to her and it's blue. It's not black anymore. It's sky blue now. Like she's happy. Like Thomas J. Yeah. It's the color it was when Thomas J put it on. And this is this is where I really lose it because Mrs. Sennett is going to go on her way and Veda calls out after her. Mrs. Sennett? Thomas J'll be all right. My mother will take care of him. Thank you, Veda. Oh my god! Uh, oh, that ruins me! You are South Bend Shovel Slade. I am South Bend Shovel Slade! Oh, oh my god. I, you know, this movie is inspiring, because I and it kind of taught me a little bit about how to deal with death. I mean, well, obviously we have Casper for that. Yeah. But, like, I can remember... You remember... Uh, you probably don't remember our Aunt Connie, but... Barely. Her, her husband passed away, and we had to go... We had to haul our asses all the way up to Fort Wayne for that funeral. Oof, yeah. And I was such a weird little child. I was probably seven or eight, and Connie was standing there in front of her husband, and everyone else had walked away, and my tiny eight-year-old self comes up to her, and I took her hand. Oh! 
and I did this woman that I hardly know. This is my, you know, this is my great grandmother's niece. <laughs> and I told her that Virgie and her brother Paul would take care of him. Oh my God, Ross! Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Her mother Virgie and her brother Paul, who had already passed, would take care of her husband. And you learned that from this movie. I learned that from this movie. Oh, because you know when you're a kid in a in a you know situation of death like that, and people are trying to mourn and have memorials and have funerals. You're in the middle of all of that, like, okay, someone is dead in here right now, and everyone's sad about it. What can I do to mitigate some of the bad feelings going around? Because I saw her standing there, and I could just tell she was broken inside. And I didn't know her from Eve, really. I mean, we'd met a couple of times in my early life, but I don't remember Connie, you know? And I just thought... Well, I'll just WWVD. <laughs> what would Veda do? You know, like, and I walked up and I told her that, and it made it made me feel better mostly. But she did lean down and like got underneath with me and gave me like the biggest hug out of the mouth of babes. Yeah, out of the mouth of babes. Oh, yes. Oh man. So it's the last day of the summer writing class. Fuck. Veda has. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I know this is also powerful, but I'm gonna. I'm not gonna cry this time. I promise. Veda has been absent from the class, obviously, but she wanted to come by on the last day and read her latest poem to the class, the one that she wrote about Thomas J. It's called Weeping Willow. Yeah, and the, oh nope, I promise. You promise. I promise. And I'm. I am gonna just let her read it because if I re- try to read it out loud, I I am gonna cry. Weeping willow with your tears running down, why do you always weep and frown? Is it because he left you one day? Is it because he could not stay? On your branches he would swing. Do you long for the happiness that day would bring? He found shelter in your shade. He thought his laughter would never fade. Weeping willow, stop your tears. There is something to calm your fears. You think death has ripped you forever apart. And I know he'll always be in your heart. That it heavy. It, that is a level of intellectual awareness that I could only hope to have at that age. Far beyond her. It's far beyond her years. And what a beautiful little tribute to the memory of her dear friend. Yeah, and I just, I lo- she's got it written on like this teeny little piece of notebook paper. Yeah. I hope she puts it in a frame and saves it for the rest of her life. Yeah. Because that is just a special, that's such a special thing that came straight from her adorable little heart. Oh, my God. And then the song starts playing. We're going bike riding with Judy now. Judy's our new best friend, I think. And <laughs> this is also the first time we see Veda in a dress. I know, right? Yeah. I know. And wearing her hair down. Things are a little better these days. I finally swallowed that chicken bone. Judy and I are going to be in the same homeroom. The Republican Party just renominated Mr. Nixon. The last line of this movie is how great it is that Nixon is getting reelected. It was Pennsylvania. It was probably a Republican stronghold at the time. I am not a crook. And yes, then the lovely song, which we love so much. I got sunshine on a cloudy day. I like shit based on songs. I. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like it when they take an entire concept, like a song title, and build an entire movie around it? What a girl wants. Like, stand by me. Stand by me. <laughs> like, 
my god. It's great. I love it. And I love this movie. It's it's very upsetting and but like I just you're right. It's the girl it's the girlhood element, right? That we're talking about this month for birthday yeah, month. I I I've tried to pick movies that you know, I associated heavily with my own coming-of-age story into girlhood. Like I said at the top, Veda's probably the movie character that exists that's most like me when I was a kid. Yeah. I wasn't obsessed with death, but just about everything else is right on the marker. Yeah. And so I just feel like I have a very deep connection to this movie. That empathy that she feels, like, I also feel it. The confusion associated with death. And like, I mean, uh, I'm not particularly comfortable with death. I mean, I know that's like a, <laughs> that's not like a, a news flash yeah, to anybody. Yeah. Nobody's super comfortable with death. But like, I, I really, I really don't handle it well. Yeah. And so, yeah, kind of like Casper, this movie pats me on the hand about death. Yeah. Like, it is not only death. It is not only decay. There is lots of great life to be lived, mm. and all all you need to enjoy it is to understand your feelings, process your feelings. I feel like that's important for every little boy and little girl, but like especially for little girls. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because like often we're not our our emotions are ignored or shrugged off by right? the hairy sultanfusses of the world. Absolutely. Yeah, but we need more Shelley Devotos out there. Oh my God, that's another thing. Shelley Devoto is just one of my favorite movie characters. I know. She she's is perfect. a guardian angel, and she's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying Jamie Lee Curtis made me gay. I'm saying she's not without fault. I love her. A I true, know. a true queen, Jamie oh Lee. God. Uh, All right, guys, we got the sad shit out of the way. Yeah, we did all the sad shit. <laughs> I did not want to end the month on a sad movie. I mean, I mean, it's Leo season, and you're doing sad girl shit right now. Yeah. I, what's with that? I think it's the stress. Um, yeah. But next week, we are going to be bringing the mood up a little bit. We're going to do another pseudo-Shakespeare movie. Mm-hmm. Guys, next week we are going to be talking about the 1999 film, 10 Things I Hate About You. Is this with all of the really hot, you know, early... Millennial actors? L- l- early aughts actors, and yes. they're on the really nice campus. Yes. And they turned it into a TV show. Padua High School. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll pad you up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Folks, we want everyone to come and join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom.